your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wide receivers each way. Clifford gets the snap. Zone read back to throw. Being rushed, gets hit. Bubbles of football. Pick it up. Picked up. Yes. Nebraska racing toward the goal line and scoring is Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams knocked the ball free. Scoop and score. It's all Nebraska right now in Lincoln. 23-3. Big red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. Thanks for joining us Thursday night, Sports Nightly, here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day. You're almost to the end of the week, right? One more day, and you're going to slip into a holiday weekend with Martin Luther King Day coming up on Monday. Full show coming your way tonight. Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald, will be with us here in a couple minutes. We'll get his take on all the happenings for Husker football here in the offseason. It has been a busy three weeks since the Big Red walked off that field at Rutgers a couple of weeks ago. We'll get Tom's take on some of the highs and the lows that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Coming up in hour number two, Scott Docterman of The Athletic will be along Scott wrote a pretty good piece about the Big Ten trying to tweak the schedule moving forward for college football after they kind of jiggled some things around here in the, the goofy season of 2020, like Nebraska going back-to-back years to Purdue. And, and if the Wisconsin game had happened, it would have been back-to-back years for the Badgers coming to Lincoln. What, what does he know about that? Where is it headed? We'll get into that and a bunch of things with Scott coming up in the second hour. Also, our good friend Todd Lebo. 810 WHB in Kansas City will be along. they got a little playoff game going on down there uh, this weekend. The Chiefs and the Browns will get Todd's take on what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs as they try to defend their Super Bowl title here in the coming weeks. Third hour of the program. Oh, boy, I have been fired up for this all week long. The return of the face-off tonight. Austin Orman, the undefeated champion of the world, uh, we'll put his belt on the line tonight against Ben McLaughlin. You've got to be fired up for this, right? I am. I, it, I, I think it's, what, 1-0 and against – is Austin going to take it down three? Is he taking down yes. three opponents? Josh, Man. Tim, me. You and I had a, a lengthy battle for ours. They're, they're, I think the other ones were they best of two of three. I think yep, that's best what we of settled three. on now. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I'm rusty, man. It's been a long time since I've played – I mean, I was. So, the, are, you thro- first- are you throwing that out as an excuse already? No, no. I just, I just got. It's gonna make you know. It's like, it's like your first, your first tee shot after the, after the year. You know, you don't, you don't know where that ball's gonna go on your first, your first swing of the day. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Maybe Austin will take it easy on you tonight. I don't, I don't know. He's, he's got a title to defend. I, I think he's kind of feeling himself on that a little bit. Let's, yeah. maybe I can at least knock him down a peg. Maybe the weight of that belt has, has slowed him down. We'll it's getting see. heavier. Yeah, yeah. So that's coming up in the third hour. We'll also have our Flicks picks. And as always, uh, we want you to be involved in the program. 531-500-4686. The number is to be a part of this either with a call or a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. All right. Um, Josh had these items in the ticker, but let's go over them one at a time. The announcement today of Will Honus coming back, and I think we anticipated this, Ben, but 
I think there's some good vibes in, uh, in the defensive side of the football team for Nebraska with as many guys who have who decided to take advantage of the sixth year and come back and play. You've already we've already heard from the two safeties earlier this week in Deontay Williams and and Markel Dismuke. Um, and now we're we're hearing from Will Honus. We still have not heard from Ben Silly, but Will Honus comes back, and with the career-ending injury to Colin Miller, I, I think this is a real good sign, right? I mean, this is a real positive for the black shirts to get a guy like Honus, who's now has played an awful lot of football here in Nebraska. And I think you know it's it's kind of the cumulative feeling right now, you know that that makes us feel so good and. It's great to have Will back. I thought Will had a really good year last year. I thought he played, you know, his best football as a Husker last season. It was great to see him healthy for the most part. He did miss uh, at least one game. So it was nice to see him be able to go out and play and, and play at a really high level. And as you said, with Colin Miller going down, Luke Reimer has had injury issues, you know, his entire career it seemed like. You know, just to have that that voice, that – that player that that's out there that's comfortable has seen everything and right there in the middle where that's where all the communication comes from it's huge and then you couple that with you know all of the success that nebraska had in getting guys back at at the other levels on the you know we're expecting uh, i'm expecting ben stilly to come back that's just kind of my hunch and then all the guys in the secondary with cam taylor Britt. um you know markel dismuke and deontay williams and jojo doman as well so i it's just you return everybody essentially. I mean, you you, you can obviously DiCaprio Boodle's not coming back, and um, you know probably nine or ten starters are coming back on that defense. And that's I mean I can't even tell you how big of a boost that's going to be just for the confidence and you know just for Coach Frost even too to maybe maybe be more focused on the offensive side of the ball and not worry about so much what's happening on defense because all these guys have been here before. Um, you know, he can he can really dive into the offense and focus on how to make that group better because I think we're all going to be feeling pretty good about the black shirts when next season starts. Scott Frost has said he's been told by a number of people the one of the keys to winning consistently in the Big Ten is get old and stay old, meaning get veteran players and keep rolling veteran players through so that when your seniors leave, they're being backfilled by juniors who've played quite a bit behind the seniors or alongside the seniors so that you never feel like you have a green unit out there playing along. Well, this is going to be – this is the, the experience level of that group is going to be off the charts next fall for this football team, and you sure hope that equates into good thing. And you look at that inside linebacker position, Luke Reimer will be back as well. So going into a spring, you would anticipate that your starters there would be Reimer and Honus. And then, you know, one guy we really have not talked much about, Ben, is is the transfer from Northern Iowa, who is going to be on campus here in a, in a couple of weeks, who is was on all Missouri Valley, all-conference inside linebacker, who's going to add a lot of depth to that position as well. As well. And I just think about all the conversations you and I have had over the last couple of years about, oh, there's no depth in that spot and hang on. All of a sudden, you have a little bit of depth and you have a lot of experience in that inside backer spot. You do. And, you know, Kolarevich is a guy that I'm really intrigued that to see how he comes in. I mean, he just screams Big Ten linebacker, right? I mean, 
played at Northern Iowa, has a, a you know a million tackles in his career. Just seems like one of those hard nosed players that wants an opportunity at a at a higher level, and and I think he's going to come in and, and provide some experience and that that this team it's a unique perspective coming from that level of football. So, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the guys already, right. With Honus and Reimer. And I mean, who knows where Henrich is going to be next yep. year outside, inside, we don't really know. And, you know, you throw Kolarevich in there, um, Maga Clements, we, the coaches were really high on him when he first came in here. I don't know where he's at developmentally, but you're starting to accumulate some names there. Um, and not just names that we haven't seen it before. We've seen it with Honus. We've seen it with Reimer when he's out there. Uh, assuming Kolarevich is a guy that's going to come in and, and be able be, to be capable in there. Otherwise, I don't think the staff would have brought him in. Um, so that you get a grad transfer there. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's – and this isn't even talking about any of the new new players, you know, Gebeyer or anybody like that that's going to come in and, and, you know, try and compete for depth too. So, you know – I, I think you feel good about it. I think you feel, you know, even better that Will Honus is a multi-year starter. I think the big key is keeping Reimer healthy and keeping some of these other guys healthy while, uh, you know, Miller's gone. And, you know, I think you're you're starting to feel pretty good about about what that group looks like, you know, next season. And you really could be could, – that could be said, Greg, for every area of the defense, which is why I think it's such a, you know, a confidence booster. Uh, you would hope for the coaching staff at, at the bare minimum to – you know, really have a solid foundation to build build from in 2021. I don't think it's a stretch to say it will be one of the best defenses in the league and obviously then one of the best defenses in the West as they move through this. All right, the other item that Josh had on the ticker is about special teams. Multiple outlets reporting that Nebraska has parted ways with Jonathan Rutledge. He's even given quotes to some of the the media outlets. Nebraska has not officially made this announcement, but Rutledge has been quoted as saying he has, he has will not be a part of the program moving forward. This was the special teams. Um, he wasn't an assistant coach. He was an analyst. He could not be on the field with the guys either in practice or in during games. So he had to just kind of go break down films afterwards and leave notes for people and try to do that thing. He was pretty instrumental in, in helping Connor Culp find his way to Lincoln. Daniel Cerny, the Australian punter who tore his ACL right when he got to campus. That's why we didn't see him punt this year. And Rutledge, by the way, is pretty high on Cerny that he thinks he'll be a very good punter once he gets himself healed up and ready to get back out there. But as I look at this program and the shortfalls that we've had been over the last couple of years and all the close losses that Nebraska has suffered the 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 missed the lost yardages in special teams to me is has been worth a couple of games a year or the inability to cover kicks either punt kick or kick returns and then to me just as important is the inability to get big returns now Cam Tater Britt had a couple of good punt returns this year but the kickoff returns for Nebraska were non-existent. They just weren't. They didn't do anything in the, in the kick return game where other teams are getting at Nebraska and shortening fields. Every time Nebraska's offense trotted out there, it seemed like they're starting to drive inside their 20-yard line. So to go yeah. score seven, you've got to go 80-plus yards to score. And, and that is, makes it really hard. You've got, that's a lot of plays you've got to string together without making mistakes to put the ball in the end zone. I, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that Scott Frost – is addressing this area. What the end game is, I don't know. I think we'll find out in the coming weeks. But I found that news as encouraging today as anything I've heard in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what what 
type of role Rutledge had with just, you know, because I guess let me back up. You know, this was brought up to Coach Frost, you know, I think like three quarters of the way through the season. He said he can't coach like he he can't, you know, get on the field and, and start doing this and that. So a lot of the responsibilities were divvied up with the other coaches, you know, that, you know, taking areas of the special teams and actually doing the coaching. So it's a interesting dynamic. This always kind of has been. So yes, you lose your, your special teams analyst or the guy that was watching the film. I, I don't know, you know, what, how much of a special teams coach role he filled without being able to coach, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Clearly, Nebraska was lacking, again, in special teams in a lot of areas. And you're absolutely right. You know, the the idea that, you know, we're like, okay, fine, starting at the 25 was a good thing and has been a good thing. Like, that should be worst-case scenario, right? That, I mean, that, that's and, – and you almost felt like, you know, this is uh, – <laughs> Okay, we're starting at the twenty-five. At least, at least there was, you know, when you're returning the ball, number one, Nebraska couldn't get it ever to the twenty, and I felt like fifty percent of the time they did return it, there was a penalty, so we were at the ten. So, you know, you just take the fair catch, get to the twenty-five, you avoid the penalties, you avoid all that other stuff, and and the and, and the the capper for me was that game against Rutgers and the kick coverage when we were just saying kick the dang ball out of bounds. I mean, you know we. It, it was unbelievable that that and it was it was like that a lot a lot all season so and it's two years in a row that that's bitten nebraska you know last year two seasons ago crookshank took one back that was a killer for wisconsin and then smith marset did the same thing after cam taylor Britt gets his pick six against iowa we seemingly had all the momentum boom they hit us in the mouth there so it's two years in a row that this has happened i don't know what where they go now i don't know if they bring in another analyst or or what the plan is with special teams, but they've got to find a way to improve it because, you know, as you said, and, and you know, as, as we say pretty much every week, these are losing football plays that are going to cost you games. And when you're a, you know, a four and eight team or a three and six team or whatever your record is trying to win pun, not intended, but you can't punt on special teams. It's, it's, it's an area that you got to be focused on. You got to be good at this year in the Iowa game, a six point loss. One of their scores in that game was set up by a big punt return that started their drive in the, inside the Nebraska 40. Then they had a good kickoff return uh, in the second half that took the ball out past the 40-yard line, giving them short fields to go down and get points. I, it just – all those close games, you can go back and almost all of them and find an area of special teams, some kind of big return or something – Maybe it's a block punt, something like that, that cost Nebraska that might might have been the difference in the game. And so I, I'm encouraged that this has been identified. I can't wait to see what the plan is moving forward for Scott Frost and Nebraska as they go to replace Scott Jonathan Rutledge and whether it's a full-time coach, which I'm kind of hoping it is. I, I hope that they shuffle some things around on the staff. I don't want to see anybody else lose their job per se, but – Shuffle some things around and make a full-time position out of special teams. I think it's that important because as tight as the Big Ten West is, week in and week out, those are going to be the difference between you winning and losing in a lot of weeks. All right, a lot to get to here on the program tonight, including Tom Chattel from the Omaha World-Herald. We'll get to him and his thoughts about the last couple of weeks. Doing that next. Welcome back. It's a Thursday night edition of Sports Nightly here on the Huskers Sports Network. Greg Sharp with you and delighted to be joined tonight by Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online at Omaha 
Tom, Tom, uh, happy new year. I hope, uh, hope the new year is off to a good start for you. Yeah, it's, uh, we're hoping it's a better year than last year. And, um, we'll just take it day by day, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, good to start the year with optimism and hope. How about that? There you go. Well done. You know, and there's been plenty of, of movement. I mean, with this transfer portal and all this stuff and, and the NCAA granting a sixth year of eligibility, it seems like we've had a daily diet of Husker football news for, for all of us to cover and for you to opine about. What, do you, what, what are you in, in the last, since the Rutgers game, what have been the biggest storylines relating to the Huskers in your eyes? Well, you know, we thought there would be some turnover. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you, you never know about the, the transfer portal. You never know about the, the coaching staff after a year like that. And um, but but so there, there haven't been a lot of surprises. Uh, you know, the Wandale news kind of got out last weekend, and so wasn't. I mean, it seemed like half the world knew about it uh, before it was announced, and. Um, you know, Greg, I, I looked at, at this program like it's just. I, 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 I wrote about this today. The the news or all, all the things that happened this week were just so typical, uh, so, sort of a microcosm of, 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 of Scott Frost's era in three years, where you know they, they get some things fixed and it looks like some things are, are going to be better, but then something else happens and. Ever since that opening night washout three years ago, I just feel like Scott's been trying to play catch up. And, you know, the right for that was the injury to Martinez, and they just haven't been able to get um, on top of, the, of, of things or, or get all caught up. So um, the, the the loss of Wandale is, is big, obviously. Uh, the offense is. It needs playmakers. It, it, it needs touchdown makers, and uh, he's a big one. Um, but I, I really thought that there was good news in the, the, all those defensive guys coming back. That's you know, it says that the, the the culture is is on the right side. It, it's um, you know, it's 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 a place where these guys want to be, um, and it solidifies. Something I feel like every year they're just trying to plug holes and they've been trying to find something, you know. And you know, you're trying to build, you're getting transfers, you're getting you're playing young guys, um, you're playing a lot of guys. You know, finally, they're, they're going to have a veteran group, an older group, a lot of older guys, uh, not as old as me, but certainly a lot of older guys, older players. And I think that that speaks well. It's, it's, uh, it gives Scott maybe a part of the team that he can rely on. Will it be a great defense? No, I don't think so. And then you got Oklahoma and you got Buffalo that averaged 43 points last year. And then you got Wisconsin. I mean, it's it, the whole thing's, uh, the whole deck is full, but I think it's a defense that, that he'll be able to rely on. And then you bring in the, the running back um, step. And I think, whether he can play or not next year, we'll see. But you know, the the one year that that offense was was really humming and it finished second at the Big Ten well, was the first year when they had Devina uh, Zigbo and he ran for a thousand yards and 
he was a rock for him, and they didn't have to have quarterbacks. You know, they didn't have to rely on the quarterbacks to, attempt, to, to, to do the running game. They didn't have to put a receiver at running back to get a running game. They had a running game, and they could put everybody else in their place. I think that if, if this if this guy can come in and play, whether this year or next year, and be be uh, be that rock, I think it's going to help the offense find roles. Everybody will find the role, and it, I think it's it's got a better chance uh, to come together. So that's sort of the long winded version, of course, uh, of uh, well, I think that that and, and, and there was good news this week. Again, Tom Chattel with us, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online as well at omaha.com. The news, other news today was the parting of the ways with the special team teams analyst, Jonathan Rutledge. Is it time for Scott Frost to, to hire a full-time special teams guy in your eyes, or is that not necessary? Where do you come down on that? Well, I mean, what was the – what was the uh, – Coach Dewitt a couple of years ago, we, I mean, he 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 was a full time special teams guy, wasn't he, or not? Was he not full time? Well, he he also coached outside linebackers, so he had kind of a okay, dual okay. set. Yeah, I I think you, you you make it a priority. You do everything you possibly can uh, to make that a priority. Now, uh, I don't know if they have a hire. I don't know if they could do that, um, but you know. The way you know Nebraska, you know you, you remember those days. Nebraska used to own special teams. Uh, they'd always block a punt. They'd always return a punt. Um, and the, the, the duties were all split up on staff. The, the head special teams guy was Dan Young, the assistant offensive line coach, and they all kind of helped out. So it's just it's got to be more more of a, a priority. And I don't know if, we, if you do bring somebody in. Goodness, you know, make it somebody really good. <laughs> you know, pay what you got to pay and do what you got to do. Um, I think if they can, <laughs> if they can just get a kicker who could put it out of the end zone, and 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 then a punter. I don't think they have one on the roster. He wasn't available last year, but uh, get those. You know, that can make a world of difference. You, you know, you just gotta tweak it a little bit there. I, but the, the kickoffs especially have to change. Um, and it would be nice to get a return guy. It, it, you know, I know a lot of teams don't do that as much, but it's like there, there's a lot of fair catches and, and that, that thing. But they've, they've got to get that. To get, you know, they, they, that just gets in the way too much. So, yeah, I think you, you do what you got to do. If, if, if they can make a full-time hire, then you know, I, I have to, by all means do it. Read today that Steve Sarkeesian, the new Texas coach, is is taking Alabama's special teams coordinator. They're going to pay him a million dollars for the special teams coach there in Austin. Tom, I know your coworker Sam McEwen uh, had a sit down with the commissioner Kevin Warren. uh, Now in his first, now one year in the books for him as commissioner. It's certainly been a rocky year, and obviously uh, being a commissioner during a pandemic's a, a tough grade anyway. Uh, you, you wrote about Kevin Warren. What what did you come up with after seeing Sam's interview and listening, reading reading the quotes from Sam's interview with the commish? Well, first of all, it's just good to see that he talked. <laughs> he's alive and well, and he's not invisible. Uh, he's not AWOL. Um, he's, he's out there. Um, 
and he needs to do a lot more of that. He needs he needs to do a lot more of that back in August uh, and September and October. He needed to, you know. I know it's a big conference. Everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody wants to hear, but he needs to be more visible. It's it's commissioner is as much of a PR job as anything, and you know. People want two things out of the commissioner, and number one, he's he's there to make everybody rich. He's like the NFL commissioner. Um, you know, you're there to make the owners rich. You're there, you're there to make the schools rich. Um, you're also there to, I think, build a consensus, a consensus, get people on the same page, all pulling together. Um, you know. Yeah, you're, it's 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 a tough job, but he just wasn't qualified for the job. And, and, and I mean, to, to think that the ACC hired the Northwestern AD, not only was he in the same conference, he was in the same town, <laughs> and they yeah. didn't hire him. So they hired a guy who, who's a project, and PR wise, and college sports wise, and every every which way. So uh, that. The, they must see some potential there. I think it's up to him. He's got to communicate. And I think, you know, Nebraska and Kevin Warren and the Big Ten can all make nice eventually. I think uh, Nebraska's focus, it was a good story for a while. We got a lot of out of it, a lot of drama, a lot of columns. But, you know, Nebraska's got enough problems without worrying about the Big Ten being on their case. So, I think it's it it, it, it would behoove uh, both sides to, to kind of come together and try to have some kind of relationship because, uh, as far as I know, Nebraska's not going anywhere else. So, um, you know, much much as I'd like to see it, and not going to happen right now. So, um, you know, you can't you know you can't realize all your goals and, and all you know championships and everything. If you're if you're in the the Big Ten's doghouse, so just just try to get you know. But I, I love Nebraska's spirit. I don't want Nebraska to back down one inch. But it's it's time I think for you know Nebraska to start focusing on everything else. So, uh, but I think Kevin Warren, uh, at least he's trying to reach out. We'll see if he keeps doing that. Or this is just a temporary thing. I hope not for his sake, um, because he may have a people. He made Indiana mad. <laughs> he made Ohio State mad. They got to play for the championship. So um, if he's making people mad, he won't be around very long. Good point. All right, what's what's ahead for you? Probably some college basketball. What 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 do you what do you got kind of focused on here in I, January? I, I, I wrote a football column today about the week, but I'm going to write. About volleyball, I, I, we got volleyball, Greg. We've got it's a very that? unusual year where yeah. we're gonna. It's you know volleyball right here is the, the main show, so they don't have to they don't have to share the stage with the football. Uh, they're going to share it with basketball, but for a lot of people, volleyball is a bigger deal than basketball. So uh, I think it's going to be very very interesting to see how many games will they get to play, how far will they get to go. And then will the whole will the whole tournament bubble be in Omaha, which you know John mm-hmm. Cook uh, mentioned yesterday. So, uh, but that's during the college baseball season as well. So, what a what a March and April! 
it might be around here. And, and boy, we we could use the events. We could use the excitement. And, uh, you know, the Huskers come to Omaha and try to win a national championship. Uh, you know, that's uh, – <laughs> We need it. We, uh, we've all been waiting for it. No doubt. Tom, great stuff as always. Appreciate it. Uh, stay well, and we'll talk down the road. Thank you, sir. Take care. Here we are, Hour 2, Thursday night, Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us. You've picked a good hour. Got a really good hour coming up. Scott Docterman of The Athletic. He covers the Iowa Hawkeyes with us here in a couple of minutes later in the hour. Todd Lebo of 810 WHB will be along. We'll talk about the Chiefs getting ready to defend their Super Bowl title. And I, I also want Lebo's take on the Texas hire of Steve Sarkeesian as their new football coach. So plenty to talk about with Todd Lebo later on in the hour. We'll even make some time for you if you want to be a part of the program. And Ben will rejoin me after we talk with Scott Docterman of The Athletic. Covers the Iowa Hawkeyes. Tonight you should have been covering a basketball game with Iowa and Michigan State, but that thing has been postponed. Do we have any idea, Scott, is it an issue with both schools, with Iowa, with Michigan State? What's the thought? This was a Michigan State issue. Uh, There were two players who tested positive on Wednesday, so kind of the alert flags went up at that point. Um, Most of the Iowa team has already had it. Uh, They had a huge smell of it during the summer. Uh, So I don't know if they wanted to be the guinea pigs as far as, hey, can you get it again? (laughs) So I think they, (laughs) out of uh, wise necessity, they just decided to postpone this game. And we've seen like six or seven games get rescheduled recently. I know Nebraska's on a pause. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to see a swath of those. But as we know, uh, unfortunately, that it's much easier to schedule basketball than football. Uh, We would have liked to have seen a few more rescheduled games after uh, the last football season. No doubt, and, and and that's a great segue into to, to Hawkeye football because you, know, you, you 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 didn't get the crossover game because of Michigan's issues uh, on the football team, and then the, the bowl game went bye bye. I'm sure there was a sense of disappointment around the program that they, they didn't get to play in either one of those weeks. Yeah, I was really it was pretty rough on this team because they were really ascending. Uh, they'd won their final six games by a combined 131 points. Only one of those games, the Nebraska game, was closer than a than two scores. So they felt like they were really playing well, and they were. I mean, you know, they they just beaten Wisconsin 28 to seven. They looked good doing it. They felt like they, you know, certainly those two opponents, they felt like they could have won and won decisively, and and it really had an impact on their final rankings. I mean, they were 15th in the coaches' poll, 16th in the AP poll. I think if I've been watching most of the teams above them, I think they were very competitive, and it's really unfortunate for them that they didn't. They were kind of out of sight, out of mind, and didn't really get a chance to move up the pole. Because I thought by the end of the year this was a top ten caliber team, and uh, but you know this was a truncated season, and so I guess we'll never know how good they could have been. Again, visiting with Scott Docterman of the Athletic, he covers the Iowa Hawkeyes here on Sports Nightly. Um, it's been a whirlwind, at least in Lincoln, and I think a lot of places around the country with the NCAA granting the extra year of eligibility. You're getting constant news of guys opting to stay, leaving. What? Give me kind of a rundown of what the last couple of weeks have been like in the Hawkeye program as far as guys opting to come back or opting to, to, to head off and either start a career or, or make, a, make a jump to the NFL. 
It's been far less interesting in Iowa City than in Lincoln, I can tell you that for sure. Um, only one of the senior scholarship players currently, well, I guess two now, uh, have decided to, to return, and that's Zach von Valkenburg. He was a second-team All-Big Ten defensive end. He decided to return, and then backup kicker Caleb Shudek, who was recently put on scholarship, will return because Keith Duncan will move on to the NFL. And, and their long snapper also is planning to use a sixth year, but for the majority of them, uh, all but one right now is pretty much decided to go on to the next level. And then some of them make perfect sense. They're NFL caliber prospects. And a few, I think, just decided that their bodies had had enough and weren't really looking forward to it. And then out of the two underclassmen who had NFL opportunities, Davion Nixon will go to the NFL um, after a stellar season. And then uh, Tyler Linderbaum, the center, uh, one of the best in the country, will return. So by and large, they lost a lot more, uh, but I think it was more natural and organic. And they are waiting on one more player uh, to make a final decision, and that's Matt Hankins, a cornerback. Otherwise, Iowa will have its entire secondary returning from this season. How how active is the program going to be in the transfer portal, or can you get a sense of that yet? Yeah, I think they will be. I mean, I, right now they're sitting at about five scholarships under the limit. Um, and, you know, they still want to sign a couple of uh, freshmen going into next year. But uh, the real p- issue for Iowa going into this offseason is the defensive line. This is the third straight year they've lost at least three starters up front. And they've been really good uh, along the line of scrimmage on the defensive side for a long time. But uh, I think the attrition level could kind of catch up with them. They've got some good young players but I don't know that they're experienced enough to really do what they've been able to do lately. So I, I would anticipate, especially at those positions, maybe one defensive tackle, maybe one defensive end, and then kind of a best player scenario situation. You know, they're a little green at running back behind Tyler Goodson, and they've got a couple other areas. But I would anticipate them really focusing in on a, on a defensive tackle, defensive end to kind of mitigate those losses of Davion Nixon and Chauncey Golston, both first-team All-Big Ten uh, defensive linemen. Again, visiting with Scott Dockerman of The Athletic here on Sports Nightly. You had a, a really good piece, uh, oh, I, I guess it's maybe almost been two weeks ago now, about how the Big Ten's going to have to shuffle some scheduling around because they tweaked a few things to get this odd, strange fall of 2020 in. What did you, what'd you come up with? What did you dig up? Yeah, it is fascinating because, as you know, you know, there were six different series around the Big Ten that were shuffled to where you had to play at the same location two years in a row. Nebraska was involved in a couple of those with Purdue and, and Wisconsin, and, and the Big Ten will not have that go three years in a row. And, and, and I mean, specifically, can you imagine Michigan State saying, yeah, sure, let's play at Ann Arbor three straight years. That's not going to happen. So they're going to have to retool the schedule. But when you do that and, and somebody says, oh, you know, okay, well, that's fine. You could just play the old schedule. You play, you just can't. I think Nebraska would have either five or six games over a seven-week period at home if that was the case. Michigan State would be on the road four straight weeks. So they're going to have to redo the entire schedule to, to make that those situations work. Now, if they're going to do that, then I think you could start to look at different scenarios like uh, I know Bill Boos has been pretty adamant in the past about wanting to keep Black Friday for Iowa Nebraska and this year they were fortunate they made it work when the reschedule came out and I know in 2022 and beyond that's going to be the case well if they're going to retool this schedule that's probably going to happen as well as my opinion so uh, those are some really fascinating issues Um, the 2020 games that got cut off 
I'm interested in how they're going to indoctrinate or introduce those, I should say, into the into the schedule because there's been there were a couple of really interesting situations involving like Purdue and Michigan. Purdue hadn't played at Ann Arbor since 2011. Iowa's only played at Columbus twice since 2005, and Indiana and Illinois back in the old 11 uh, team era, they were considered permanent rivals. They played every year. Well as of the schedule right now, if they don't play that 2020 game, Illinois would not have played at Bloomington in 13 years at least. And it's not even through the schedule at 2026. So a lot of those things have to be answered, discussed. I mean, it's possible that that, those games just get thrown away uh, and look forward. But I think there's going to be a a whole-scale discussion. And I wouldn't outright rule out the thought of completely ending divisions. Now, that was a heavy discussion both on social media and other platforms. But if that's the case, an easy fix might be every team gets to pick three rivals or every team gets assigned three the other 10, you know, two years on, two years off, which is real similar to what you dealt with at the Big 12. And then finally, you know, the Champions Week really seems pretty an interesting uh, layout. And I think I could see that be a part of the discussion as well. So, there's a lot of different avenues they can go to. Nothing's been decided yet, but I, I'm anxious to see how they do progress in these discussions. Scott, do you get a sense of if these talks have begun or if this is something that they want to have tidied up by March, May? I mean, obviously, I think May would be the latest you could turn this out to get it out okay. so everybody has it. What Do you have a sense of where they are in the discussions? Yeah, what I was told was that at the time when I wrote that story, that it had not happened yet, but they anticipated in uh, January to have those discussions. And part of it was they were still finalizing some of the Olympic sports, uh, like volleyball and other schedules, wrestling, and they still have some work to do, you know, in the spring sports. But until they can kind of, uh, you know, so once those were kind of out of the way, then football was going to go back to the to the forefront. And, of course, Ohio State just finished its season a couple of days ago. So I would anticipate the next week or two, you would start to see more of a renewed focus on that, and and uh, I think this is a this is the time when the Big Ten can really start to think big picture, which is do you want to just kind of go in piecemeal moving forward, or is this a case where hey let's let's reimagine what the Big Ten schedule could be all about, and uh, you know so I think over the next couple of months, I mean if nothing else, twenty twenty showed us that they're capable of making a lot of adaptions very quickly, and uh, and think you know, in different terms. And I think that's what we'll see over the next few weeks. Yeah. You mentioned divisions and and maybe even one of the things on the table might be to just do away with them. You did some digging into what's the history been like between the Big Ten West and the East. And I know nationally the perception is that the East is just so much better than the West. What did your... What did your investigative work turn out? What did anything surprise you when you looked at some of the the scores in the cross division games? Not that much. I mean, I I guess you know anecdotally we all kind of see that it seems pretty even between the East and the West, minus one team, and that's Ohio State. It just dominates everybody. Uh, they were fifteen and two in cross divisional games with losses to you know Purdue and Iowa, and that was it over the seven year period. Everything else is about what you would expect. I mean, Penn State, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Iowa are all comparable. Nebraska has a winning record against the East, and then you know towards the bottom you have Rutgers and Purdue and and, and Illinois and Maryland. So it's really you know similar to what we see across the board so 
I think when you look east and west, the perception is, uh, you know, because the east has won every Big Ten championship game since they've gone to this format, that the the east is a dominant entity. But really, it's Ohio State's the dominant entity because they've won five out of the seven. And everybody else is really close because even those two Big Ten championship games that did involve Ohio State were right down to the wire. So uh, I I think there is an appetite to, to explore new options. I know there has been in the past. James Franklin has discussed that. And I think maybe it is fair to, to, to suggest that, that the league explore those options because, you know, in some ways it is kind of unfortunate for, you know, a program like I cover, Iowa, to have a 100-year relationship with teams like Ohio State, Michigan, or Indiana and only play them every handful of years. Uh, you might want to play them a little more often. And I would even say the same thing with Nebraska. would probably want to play a Michigan more often or somebody else. So I, I think that's something that they're going to discuss. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, but it also will be fascinating to see, you know, championship qualifications. And that's a question that I can't answer. And I don't think anybody else can at this moment. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll continue to follow it. It'll be interesting to see how they piece it all together here in the coming weeks and months. Hey, pretty big wrestling match tomorrow night over in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes, who are always so good, I think they're number one right now, and Nebraska's wrestling team coming over there tomorrow night. Huskers are ranked sixth in the country, and I know how fevered the Iowa fans are. It's got to be killing them, Scott, to not be able to get in there and root on their Hawkeyes on the match right now. This, this whole, excuse me, this whole year has been something else for Iowa fans because uh, you know, last year they would have won the national title without a doubt. This year they're number yeah. one, and they're number one unanimously. You have a basketball team ranked fifth in the country. The women's team just lost first game out of 42 straight home wins. The football team had a really good year, and not to be able to be there <laughs> and to, to watch this. And wrestling, as you mentioned, is it, it's a different animal here than it is the other sports. I mean, there's an expectation either you win the championship or, you, or you're terrible. And uh, – to have Spencer Lee, to have the team they have, and not be able to have 15,000 people there at a, at a deafening play. It's just going to be different to watch Iowa. It's going to be like probably like it is in most other places around the Big Ten. Yeah, no doubt. Scott, we appreciate it. Great stuff as always. Uh, stay safe during the winter months, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. We're back on Sports Nightly Thursday night here on the Husker Sports Network and delighted to welcome on board Todd Lebo of 810 WHB in Kansas City. They're getting all fired up as the Chiefs get ready to start the defense of their Super Bowl title against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Um, Leaves, was was this the ideal matchup for the Chiefs? I, I think a lot of people might have been nervous about Baltimore coming in. What do they feel about the Browns being the opponent Sunday? Yeah, the the Ravens were a team I did not want the Chiefs to see in the first round. I guess the ideal opponent would have been the Colts because that meant the Colts would have beaten the Bills, who are very good. But next to that, I think the Browns were a team that I did not think was going to beat the Steelers. But, you know, who who knew they were going to be five-plus in the turnover, so they won the game. But, yeah, this is a team I think the, the, the Browns' defense is not – going to be able to contain the Chiefs offense I don't think they're they don't look like they're built for that they've had a wonderful season you know the Browns have won a playoff game for the first time since 1994 or whatever and you know they beat the Steelers and won in Pittsburgh for the first time in 17 years a lot of good things happen but that party's probably going to come to an end here in Kansas City I'd be shocked if the 10-point favorite didn't come through the, the Chiefs did not knock the doors off people in the, in the month of December. Is there some concern that they're not clicking on all cylinders as they go into this thing? 
Yeah, probably a little bit. Uh, you know, listen, 2020 has been super weird. You know that. I mean, all all the all the things that these teams have had to go through to kind of get themselves ready. And the weird part about that little stretch where the Chiefs won seven games by less than a score is that in most of the games they had big leads. You know, I mean, a couple ones like like the Falcons game they had to come from behind, but the other ones they kind of had big leads and they maybe just didn't finish it the way they wanted to. But, you know, I think most people feel they will know how to kind of turn it up and get it going. They probably needed the rest pretty good um, head, heading down the stretch because it's been a long – it's been an ordeal, man, just getting these games in and all the protocols and injuries here and there. But it's got to be a little concerned that they weren't just, you know, beating the doors off everybody down the stretch. But, you know, they, they show it, – it should be kind of, I think – a bit of a badge of honor that they were able to win all those games because you look around generally in close games, the good teams win more than they lose, but the chiefs just basically won all of them. They won seven straight games by less than a score. That's better than what normally, I mean, people might say, Oh, five and two is pretty good in that stretch. That'd be two more losses. And then, you know, they might not have the home field advantage. Right. How are they injury wise? And particularly with Clyde Edwards, is he going to be able to go? Well, we don't know yet. They won't exactly say he did not practice today. He had limited practice yesterday, and he did. They and whatever they did last week, w- there was no designations, and they didn't tell us anything. And then since it's twenty twenty season, you can't go watch anything. <laughs> so today he did not practice, and also Sammy Watkins did not practice. He hasn't practiced all week. So those are the two offensive guys who you know who we'll see. I I, I think. When I saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire get hurt in the Saints game, I thought, this guy doesn't look like he's going to play this year again. It looked pretty bad. And then they started having a little bit of hope. But I, I think I would be shocked if he were to be out there on the field this week. At this point. Check me tomorrow. But, but right now, I'd be shocked. Right. Visiting with Todd Lebo of 810 WHB in Kansas City. The Chiefs getting set to play the Cleveland Browns Sunday at 2. Uh, they'll, know, they'll know who the opponent's going to be in the AFC title games. That other game in the AFC is on Saturday. The uh, is this team better? Does this team have the maybe better than even last year's team? It seems like they maybe have, have filled some holes on that roster since last year. Yeah, I think they're a little better in some some places. I think, um, but it's hard to get better than they were. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. I think their offensive line is not as good as it was, just because of opt out right with Laurent Duvernay Tardif. And also with Mitchell Schwartz being hurt, he's not playing this week. He's been out for a bit. So they're not as good on the offensive line. But Mahomes is playing great. Uh, Travis Kelsey is is a phenomenon at tight end. He's done things that no one's ever done before. Tyreek Hill's been special. Defensively, I think they kind of found some stuff at cornerback. But their pass rush hasn't been as good as it was last year. I mean, Chris Jones is not wreaking havoc, and neither is Frank Clark. So, I mean, they're – they're winning. They winning more games this year. But you know, remember last year they ended up losing a game that Mahomes didn't play in because he was hurt. And um, you know, so I don't know. I guess I guess that we're we're at the point now with the Chiefs that it doesn't really matter what you do in the regular season. It's already that spoiled area, right? You got to What are you going to do in the postseason? You know, they're kind of just enduring the regular season to get to the postseason, like a like a Jayhawks basketball team or a Patriots football team for the last twenty years. It doesn't really matter what happens during the year. You just need to go out and see what's going to happen at the end. So the, I guess the, the time will tell what happens here in the postseason, depending on – because this was the best regular season record they've ever had. They never got 14-2. Yep. Mm. And they, they lost the last one because they didn't try. They probably could have beaten the Chargers. But still, if, that, if they don't win it all, that would be pretty empty, I think. Yeah. 
it's crazy how quickly that switch can flip to being spoiled like that with the franchise. <laughs> no, it doesn't take long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Hey, I want your thoughts about Texas. Um, you obviously covered the, the Big 12 and a big Oklahoma guy yourself. What do you make of the Sarkeesian hire? What, what's the buzz down there about what Texas did with letting Herman go and hiring Sark? How about, were they going to pay a million dollars to a special teams coach? I saw that today, too. So uh, I guess the money's out there. I mean, everyone keeps thinking there wouldn't be coaching changes in 2020 because of the the dollars and cents, but apparently there's enough money to get Tom Herman out of the game and to hire Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian was obviously great at Alabama. I mean, he had great talent, and and he fixed his life because he he was wayward. He was lost, right? He was at Washington and was just kind of okay-ish, not good enough for them up there, and had some off-the-field issues happening. He got the Southern Cal job because he had been there on that staff when Pete Carroll had it really up and going, and that was a disaster. I mean, there's reports of him being uh, under the influence at meetings and got fired on the plane coming back. He was really lost, you know. And but he's a really good football mind because you know the NFL scooped him up right away and he worked with the Falcons for a while. And Nick Saban does a nice job of kind of you know, rehabilitating some people's professional lives for them. But, and, you know, I know, listen, Texas always has good talent. We know that, right? But they're not, they don't have the talent that Alabama had on offense. And he's not been charged. There'll be a lot of pressure on him down in Texas. It was a big deal to get rid of Tom Herman, spend that money. And then, you know, like I said, they apparently that they were going to hire a special teams coach for a million dollars. So they're, they're throwing a staff together. We'll see what happens. This will be the, I don't know, count them up how many times Texas is back. But <laughs> it's uh, it's something to watch for sure. Because Tom Herman was okay. I mean, you know, they weren't embarrassing or anything, but they weren't good enough. They made one title game in his time at uh, Texas, and then they ended up losing the rematch to Oklahoma in that title game. So it wasn't good enough for them. And I kind of thought he was going to survive, but uh, it didn't end up happening. They said enough is enough. Well, we're, we're banging our heads up here with, with the Big Ten hoops being so good. I think eight or nine teams are ranked out of the Big Ten. The Big 12's a heck of a league as well. And it, right now it doesn't look like it's Kansas League in hoops, does it? It looks like it's no. Baylor's. Yeah, Baylor. Now, the, the, the kind of bad part about it is Baylor has been – they've had a couple games canceled, and they've been the ones we want to watch, right? They didn't get to play Gonzaga earlier this year, and then they had one canceled against West Virginia this week. and So we want to see them against these really good teams. Now, they beat Illinois – pretty easily that was a, that's a good team from the big 10 but they're gonna they got some games coming up here this next three or four if everything goes right covid wise we'll get to see baylor measure up against these kansas is okay but this is the kansas is not the best team in the league and you know they lost at oklahoma state again the other day they almost lost at home to oklahoma on saturday and they hadn't lost to them for 28 years in allen field house and they got boat raced by a texas who is very good but i think it was an, a, probably a, a good sign for the league Last night, Texas Tech beat Texas, and I think there are, um, I think Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas are good teams. West Virginia is probably okay, but yeah, it's it's. I, I can't wait to see Baylor play these teams because right now their their schedule has not done enough for me to sit there and call them elite. Like I think everyone we talk to knows that Gonzaga is special, right? And they met. We, we had. Uh, uh, who we have on the other day on our station who said he thinks they're going to be uh, – oh, Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. He said he thinks they're going undefeated. They're going to be the first undefeated champion since, since Indiana in 1976 because they're, you know, their league is not – they're not going to get battle-tested in their league like everyone else is. But they played everybody who was in front of them who COVID would allow. They beat Kansas easily. They beat West Virginia. You know, 
And uh, But I don't know if Baylor's that good yet because I want to watch him play some real teams. Well, we've got some great matchups coming up in the next six, seven weeks. Leaves, we appreciate it. Always in, in, in love having you come on and give us a taste of what's going on down there. Should be a fun weekend for Chiefs fans against the Browns. Should be a lot of fun. And, and I don't ever look at the schedule six weeks away. I look two days away because then they'll tell me if they're going to have a game or not. I just don't know. <laughs> it's been that kind of year. You You're don't right. know if there's going to be a game until it actually happens. I feel pretty confident the NFL is not stopping anything. That train is rolling on, and the Chiefs will be playing at 2 o'clock against the Browns on Sunday. Can't wait. Leaves, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Sharpie. Thank you. We're back. Hour three of our Thursday night show of Sports Honor here on the Husker Sports Network. Face off coming up here in just a scant moment. Round one of the Ben versus Austin. Titan champ, Titan challenge between these two. And later on in the hour, we'll have our Flicks picks of the week. What's been on our guys' screens for the last couple of weeks? Lots of stuff to choose from for me tonight. I've got one I'm looking forward to talking about later on in the hour. So let's get it going with the face-off. It's time for face-off. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Josh Elkeman. It has been a while, Josh, since we've had a face-off. It has been a while, and I, it, it's interesting because it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since Austin made his way to this point. And, and Ben was saying that the, the pressure is on Austin because he's the champ. Well, no, this is for the championship. You guys are both undefeated, and you're, you're meeting for the championship right now. So to recap... Greg and Ben played each other initially, and they played 23 rounds of this in the spring <laughs> and over the summer, and Ben ended up taking the title there 14-9. to nine. So he, he won the matchup of the on-air hosts of, of Sports Nightly, and then we started doing something where it was a matchup of the producers first. So I took on Austin. Austin took care of me in, in two games. It was best two out of three, and it was a clean sweep. Then he met up with Tim, and Tim gave him a little bit more of a challenge than I did, but it still wasn't really that much of a contest, and Austin took that one two, out of, two games to one. Then it was Greg's turn to face off with Austin, and Austin swept you, Greg, but it was close. It was both, both of those matches went to seven, the seventh question, so it was, it was well fought, but Austin came out victorious. So now he's 3-0 and in his matchups, Ben 1-0, but... He uh, obviously had the longer battle against Greg over the summer. So now we, this is the this is for all the marbles right here. This is for the first. Do we belt. get a certificate? Is this it, for a certificate? I mean, I feel like we should find something else, like a, a like a belt that we hand back okay. and forth, or like we have. Yeah. This is not something that we've done on air, but we have a helmet back here for one of our other contests. We need yeah, to do we, something we like get that. A we don't have a belt. Yeah, we don't have a belt yet. And I, we'll, I, see, we'll see what Amazon has. I was talking with Greg earlier, and I think the plan for what we're going to do going forward is it will be you, you're going to defend your title. So whether it's Austin or Ben who wins this best two out of three matchup, then somebody else will challenge them for that crown, whatever it King is. King of the hill. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And so then whoever wins that, they stay on top, or somebody else takes over, and then they get to be challenged. So that's what we're going to be doing going forward. I love but it. This is, again, this is for the first first title of the face-off on Sports Nightly. And, Greg, you get the honor of asking the first question. Well, I, I want to see how our contestants feel. Yeah. You, are you relaxed? you nervous? What are you guys feeling? To be honest with you, I – 
I was up early with the daughter, so I was, I was dragging about an hour ago, but I just had a jolt of energy <laughs> oh, between yeah. hours. Um, so I, I'm, I've got a little adrenaline going, little, little worried I'm not in the frame of mind to, to answer these questions. Playing every week was such a benefit because right. you knew – like how how to operate a question now it has been a while for austin too so yes. it's not like he it's, played last week it's been about four um, months for you ben and two months for austin so i mean yeah. it's been a while for both of you right it's rust mental exercise rust yeah yeah <laughs> no no preparation i didn't do any like sporical quizzes or anything like that so i'm, I'm just no game prep we're just we're just showing up and playing showing up to the y and playing we shirts or skins let's go uh, uh, which do you want to be, shirts or skins? <laughs> uh, shirts, please. <laughs> Guess I Josh, how, do skins. You, how do you classify these questions? Are these over the top hard or no. are these right down the middle? They're right down the middle. In fact, I would even say that one or two of mine are relatively, I wouldn't say easy, but I would say that especially with these guys, like they might be a little bit on the easier side. Okay. Next week we'll probably ramp them up a little bit. But if we get to a seventh question, I – I, I hope we do, but um, that one will be kind of a toss-up. We'll see. So, we'll, okay, we'll go for you it. You boys ready? Let's do yeah. it. Okay. Name the top four franchises in the National Football League with the most playoff wins. Ben. Ben in first. Dallas Cowboys. Do we have the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> do you want to play or pass? I, I got to play. I got to set the tone. I got to play. <laughs> Aggressive. Uh, the Cowboys have won 35 playoff games. What are they on the list? Can you tell me that? They are tied for second. Tied for second. How about the Green Bay Packers? How about the Green Bay Packers? They are fourth with 34 playoff wins. Chicago Bears. Give me the Bears. Oh. One strike. Okay. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, like the Cowboys, have 35. So I'm still missing number one. You are. How about the uh, San Francisco 49ers? Oh, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh! Mm, pressure time. Two, two strikes. Got to be careful. Austin's waiting yeah. in the wings. Man, they were so bad for so long. But I'm just trying to think of old franchises. Franchises have been around a long time. Well, 35, and I know they've won probably 20 in the last 10 years. Give me the Patriots. How about the New England Patriots? Wow. That's the number one answer at 37 playoff wins. Ben sweeps the category. Congratulations. Pulled it out. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Austin, were you ready for that answer? Oh, I was born ready. Yep. I was channeling my inner Tim Curran for that one. Yeah. Ready to steal it, but didn't even get the chance. So now you're down 1-0, Austin. And uh, here's question number two. Now a member of the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden has led the NBA in scoring and points per game the last three seasons. Name the last five players other than Harden to lead the NBA in scoring. Austin. Austin in first. Let's go with... Kevin Durant. Show me KD. Yes, he has done it three times. The only player on this list to do it three times other than Harden, and he did it in 2010-11, 11-12, and 13-14. 
I almost had to buzz Austin. He was taking his time on answering that after he buzzed in, but he, he got it in. Checking the tapes, I have it rolling over here. It was only about two seconds, so I was well within the, the time frame. So um, I will play. Okay. Um, you said Harden's led the last three years. I'm looking for the other five. Correct. Yep, and you got Durant. Durant. He was three of three years, so it goes back ways, obviously, as yeah. you can tell. Uh, how about Steph Curry? Show me Steph Curry. He is another correct answer. He did it in two, the 2015-16 season. He's only done it once, though, which is a little bit surprising. His unanimous MVP year, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Okay. So you've got two of the five. No strikes yet. KD and Steph. Let's see. Um... Zach Levine's played on some pretty bad teams and put up some numbers. How about Zach Levine? Show me Zach Levine. Oh. Five's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. This is the, the tough part of this question was that I asked for five. If I had done three, yeah. then it might have been a little easier. But this is going to go back and kind of test your yeah. memory Love a it. little bit. One strike. Yep. But you have two correct answers, and... Ben is pondering the question. Can I think of some high-scoring offenses of late who they'd be powered by? I will say these are all names that you have heard of. It's not anything too far off the board, but... Uh, let's see. How about... Isaiah Thomas. Show me Isaiah Thomas. Oh. He didn't not lead the league in scoring, or at least has not been one of the last five names. He had that now really good be, year in Boston. I thought he might have. Now you got to be careful, Austin. I am almost chalking this one up as a lost category. Um, <laughs> Don't do that yet. Don't give up. Let's see. How about the king himself, LeBron? King James, is that one of the correct answers? Oh, it is not. Oh, so now it goes boy. over to Ben for the steal oh. opportunity. You got well, that answer helped me because the other guy, another guy I was thinking of would have done it before LeBron. Okay. Who has he gotten right now? And, he, he, and there's five so, total. Yeah, right? Katie and Steph yeah, are the two I got. He got Katie and Steph, and his incorrect answers were Zach Levine, Isaiah Thomas, and LeBron James. So you need to pick one of the three, any one of the three, for the steal. You want to talk to your strategy here, Ben? Or your thinking? Yeah, so... I know D. Wade was in there, but I think that might be a little bit too far back. And obviously, Kobe would have done it before LeBron, so Kobe's out. LeBron's out. And the only other guy that I'm thinking of, and it triggered it when Austin said his unanimous MVP comment, um, was sandwiched around the year that he had was Russell Westbrook when he was scoring like 40 a night. I'm going to take Russ. All right. Russell it, Westbrook. Russell Westbrook for the steal. Correct. You got it. And 
He actually did it twice, and he's the one that has done it most wow. recently other than Harden. He did it in 14-15 and then 16-17. He uh, got the job done. The other two, Carmelo Anthony, did it in 2012-13. And Dwayne Wade, who you also mentioned, Ben, he got the job done. He led the league in scoring points per game in 2009-10. So when was LeBron? Was LeBron... He must have been before that. Before, yeah, it must have been. See, so Russ D. Wade was on, was on, my on list, there, but I didn't huh? think he scored that much, even though the years he was averaging triple-doubles. Good right. skill. Hmm. Yep. Well, Ben leaping out to a 2-0 lead. Let's go to question three. Name the last five Husker first-team All-Americans in volleyball. Ben? <laughs> ben. Lauren Stiverens? How about Lauren Stiverens? There you go. You want to play or pass? I'll play it. Okay. Um, Kelly Hunter. Give us Kelly Hunter. Two for two. How many do I need? Five. The last five first-team All-Americans. <sighs> Michaela Fecky. How about Michaela Fecky? <laughs> Just chewing this category up and spitting it out. John Cook would be right proud now. right now. Can't remember if she was a first teamer or not, but since since her name's on my mind, I'm just gonna say it. Uh, Kenzie Maloney. How about Kenzie Maloney? <laughs> Believe she was a second team All American. Did not get to first. Way off. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Slacker. Man, I was, I was on a roll there. I was going to say, now, now, you're kinda, now I hit the brakes. Yep. Um, you did a good job, but you just need to slow down and think a little bit. Katie Rolfson? How about Katie Rolfson, one of the twins? Wow. Very one good. One left. I might as well say the other one, Amber Rolfson. <laughs> How about Amber Rolfson? <laughs> yeah, that was worth thought, a shot. I thought, for sure. Katie, I thought Katie was for sure. Um, she, so I got one more not. guess, right? I think Amber was an All-American, she was. but not first team. Yep. She probably should have been the year that yeah. she moved to middle block or she had an unbelievable season that year. All right. It's going back just a little bit, but I'm pretty sure strikes. I'm almost, almost certain she was a first teamer. So if I'm going down, I'm going down with an All-American. Give me Kelsey Robinson. How about Kelsey Robinson? That was a good guess. It, incidentally, if I had stretched it to six, she would have been six. Yeah, really good guess, Ben. But and there's I, somebody. And I, think, <laughs> and I think number seven might have been Lauren. Lauren was oh, seven wow. or eight on that list, so yeah. I didn't want to go that far back. <laughs> awesome with a chance for a steal. He needs it. Down 2-0. How about Justine wong Arantes? How about Justine? Oh, that's clutch. Oh, that man. is real clutch, Josh. How I did not that? think that either of you were going to get it. So that's, uh, that's impressive with one guess to come up with that. Woo-hoo. Wow. All right, so you're back in at Austin. Still down 2-1, though, as we move to question Number four, and we go back to the NFL with this one. Name the four NFL quarterbacks with at least 10 losses in the playoffs. Ben. Ben in first. 10 losses? At least 10 losses in the playoffs, yeah. Eli Manning. Show me Eli Manning. No, over to you, Austin. Uh, 
How about his brother, Peyton? Show me Peyton Manning. Yeah. All right. Then you have to play. Yep, you have to play. I, since you how, how many? So how many more? Looking for need? three more. Yeah, correct? three more. Three correct. More. Okay. Yep. So he, Peyton Manning, actually has the most losses of any NFL quarterback in the playoffs with 13. There are three others though with at least 10. How about Tom Brady? Show me Tom Brady. Tom terrific. Yeah. Tim just threw his laptop. Yeah, he's like, how dare you put his <laughs> name in such a category? Okay. All right, so you don't have any strikes. The one incorrect answer was on the first guess by Ben. So, yeah. so far you've guessed Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, Austin, and Ben incorrectly guessed Eli Manning. Okay, how about Aaron Rodgers? Show me Aaron Rodgers. No discount double check here. Okay. It's your first strike. Yep. Brett Favre. Is Brett Favre, the other Packers quarterback on the list? Ah, he goes back to the Packer well and gets it. So both Brady and Favre have 11 playoff losses. You can't lose if you don't get there, right? That's I mean, true. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. That, that's a good way of looking at this category. Really good quarterbacks, but it's hard to win in the playoffs. But if you get there a lot, you're going to do some of both. It's true. Uh, so only one strike and one correct answer to go before you take the category and tie up the game. All right. Uh, let's see. Ben is deep in thought. I am. This, we can this tell. question's getting me. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's too early to ask for any hint either way, so I'm not gonna do that. Um, hint. Come on. Just like a, a little bit of a, a clue for how recent we're looking or how long ago. Um, right. Could how, be any time be since the Super Bowl era, I'll say that. Is this 54 this year or what is it? 50? That's not right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Or 50. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's 55. I feel like they would have made a bigger yeah. deal of it. Right. Uh, this team's been pretty good recently. How about Drew Brees of the Saints? Show me Drew Brees. Oh. Incorrect. Now you're down to your last strike. Ben waiting in the wings for a steal. Okay. You have so far said Peyton, Brady, and Favre as your correct answers. Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees have been incorrect, which two of those were your strikes. Um, how about Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger? How about bit, uh, Ben Roethlisberger? He lost another game last week. Is he the final one? He is not, so Bennett moves back over to you for a steal, and you can give yourself a 3-1 lead here. Well, the the Brett Favre one really kind of hacked me off because I thought I was on the – I didn't know he would go back that far. And the other guys that I was – there's three others that I was thinking of. Feel free to pick the wrong one here. <laughs> Steve Young okay. played a long time, won a lot. The other ones were – Dan Marino, and I know he lost a lot because the Dolphins have never <laughs> won a Super Bowl. And Troy Aikman, who also oh. won a lot with the Cowboys. But I don't know that Troy's career went long enough. Okay. So you got to pick one of those three. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. That's Well, that's that's what the three I have on my list. 
Okay. This is a big I'll moment. I'll say... Man, the Niner, those Niners teams were so good. I, I'm crossing Steve Young off. And like I said, I don't think Aikman's career went long enough, so give me Dan Marino. Show me Dan Marino for the steal. Wow. I can't believe it. Wow. I can't believe he this got is, that. This is a high-level competition right here. Oh, I, my gosh. You guys have – That was lucky. I'm yeah. not going to lie. That was lucky. You oh. talked your way through it, though, and you got it. Good work. I texted Josh when you guys were in this question. I go, there's no way they get the last one. That's so, awesome. I mean, I'll need to go look, but I'm, I'm curious where what their playoff records yeah. were. Like how he many had, games Young played in, how many games Aikman played in. I would put Austin on that, but he's a little busy, so we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll do that after the segment. Wow, that's a great steal right there. Holy yeah. moly. He has ten, right. exactly 10 losses, by the way, Marino. So, All right, so Ben is up 3-1. Here we go, question five. Name the four members of the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame class. <laughs> like last year? Austin. Okay, Austin. Larry Walker. Give me Larry Walker. Okay, okay. I was, this, I was a little confused. I didn't this, know. I was like, this they know and the, I not? <laughs> this would have been the group that was that was named last January. Their ceremony obviously got, got canceled because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. But these were the guys, because we're about ready yeah. to hear the 2021 class here in the next couple weeks. When so, I Austin, <laughs> you want to pay or play, or, play or pass? Um... I'll pass it. Oh. Oh, okay. Ben. Um, okay, so I know there's That's a risky move, Austin. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, I yeah. I'm I just need some more time to think and I was yeah. gonna run out of time on he's my buzzes. So. Still have to steal it though if Yeah. I'm hoping Ben gets one and leaves me a couple of the Derek Jeter, memory. right? How about Derek Jeter? Um, gotta be, gotta be a pitcher, right? Kurt Schilling. How about Kurt Schilling? Oh. No. <laughs> no bloody sock yet. Um, it's one strike. I want to say there was there was a reliever, closer maybe. There are a lot this of those. Is, this is testing memory. I mean, because this, this group didn't get I'll, a lot of play because of their ceremony got banged. Yeah, I'll be well, honest. I don't know if I would have gotten any of these if I, I didn't know, have the answers right in front of me. I think I might have remembered Jeter, but yeah. The only reason but, I got Walker is I remember I was sitting in studio watching his interview after he got named. He was wearing a SpongeBob T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Four members. You've got half of them. Well, I'm going to say Mariano Rivera. All right. Okay, Mariano Rivera. Okay, he was the year before that. Yeah. All right, two strikes. Billy Wagner. Give me another reliever. I don't know. All right, Billy Wagner. Austin for the steal and to stay in the game. An incorrect answer, and Ben has won round one. Yeah. This guy comes to mind because there is some controversy 
around him. Um, but I think he made it in. Harold Baines. How about Harold Baines? Oh. So no. Ben is the winner of tonight's faceoff. He has a 1-0 lead in the series. The other two, Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller. Nope. Yep. Zero nope. for two on that. I, there's, yeah, yeah. there's no way. Austin, I, I can't believe you gave up board control. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought Jeter was already in. I forgot that was just last year, and then I had no idea well, on who the other two were. I was going to say, that, if, you, so. if you hadn't come up with Jeter, then Ben probably would have had that one for the steal anyway. So yeah, might have gone yeah. that way anyway. Ben I, pulling out a, Dan Marino was the key to the night. That, that's, a, oh, yeah. that's a killer because there was there, there of the five rounds, there were three steals. I had two, and he had one. Yeah. 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 No, that was a well-played game, even though it ended up being yeah. a 4-1. The only category that got run was the first one, with which the right. playoff you know, wins for NFL yeah. and ran that category. So, well yeah. done, guys. Yeah. We'll do it again next Thursday. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Okay, been a little while since we've had a Flicks Picks segment. We've had some preemptions on Thursday nights because of some basketball games, but we're here tonight. So what's been on everybody's screens? Ben, let's start with you. Yeah, my wife and I uh, were instructed to watch this series by a lot of people, and uh, it didn't disappoint. We crushed it in like two days, and I was a huge fan of it. Queen's Gambit uh, on Netflix, a uh, story about a young lady, an orphan um, girl who uh, was, was very smart, very bright, and stumbled her way upon a chessboard. And it's kind of a, a story on her rise to... Uh, you know, a, a career in, in chess, and you know she's battling a lot of other things on her way. But super good, really interesting. Um, would definitely recommend it. I think it's seven episodes long, uh, so it won't take you too long to get through it. But huge, huge fan. I hope they come out with another season. How many episodes? I think it's seven. I think it's seven episodes. So it shouldn't. Yeah, it won't take you too long. Okay, Josh. I actually had that on my, my list as well, and I'll play a trailer for it in a little bit. But I actually I mentioned the last time I was on this segment a while ago that it started watching King of Queens, still doing that. We're on season six of it, so rolling right through. <laughs> what and, a fun show. Yeah, fun show. Great show. Um, also on my list, we've, we, I've watched uh, Jeopardy the last few weeks, the last Alex Trebek episodes. Um, that he recorded yeah. um, before he passed away. And then uh, the first couple of Ken Jennings stepping in as guest host. And um, Aaron Rodgers actually announced earlier this week that he'll be doing a little bit of that later on. So um, kind of interesting. I've always loved that show, but got back into it the last couple of weeks because of that. And then as, as Ben mentioned, that, that Queen's Gambit is on my list. Here's a little bit of a tease for that. Men are going to come along and want to teach you things doesn't make them any smarter. You just let them blow by, and you go on ahead and do just what and how you feel like. Someday you're going to be all alone, so you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. Tell the readers of life how it feels and to be a girl. Among all those men, I don't mind it. 
Chess isn't always competitive. Chess can also be beautiful. You're an orphan, Beth. I'm fine paying alone. I feel safe in an entire world of just 64 squares. Like Ben said, it's a limited series, about seven episodes, and um, it was it was great. I loved it, and I would recommend even if you're not like even if you know nothing about chess, you don't have to know anything about it to enjoy the series. Well, well done, well produced, kind of a cool timepiece, and. It's funny, before going in, I just thought that it was based on a true story, or at least loosely based on a true story. It's not. It's based on a novel that is completely fiction. So, like, I, huh. I'm glad that I didn't know that going in. Otherwise, yeah. it might have ruined it a little bit for me. But I found that out after the fact. And it, But still, definitely recommend watching it. Could very easily have been a true story. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Austin. It does go to me. All right, so... At home, it's my the wife and I are still going through Superstore. We're on end of season two, start of season three, somewhere in that general vicinity. We're enjoying it. Um, probably not my favorite sitcom ever, but definitely enjoyable for what it is. Pretty low stakes, just nice, easy watch when you get home <laughs> after work. Um, and then yep. actually over the Christmas holiday, my family's tradition is to go see a, a movie in theater. So we ventured out a couple weeks ago and saw Wonder Woman 84, another you know, it, it's not anything I think you necessarily have to see, but for what it is, just another one in the line, I think it's it's worth seeing good enough to, to spend money for a ticket on. Critics have been pretty tough on WW84, so I, I, yeah, it's maybe I'll go do the, uh, the, the $5 day on a Tuesday. Go catch that there. All right, uh, I caught the movie Safety. It's about a football player at Clemson that is trying to take care of his younger brother because his mom is in drug rehab, and he's sneaking him around on campus. This is based on a true story about a Clemson football player by the name of Ray McElrathby. Here's a little snippet. What does sacrifice mean to you? It means being selfless. Committed. Now, our tradition here... It's unlike any other. We're family. Now, Ray, these scholarships are yearly. You perform on the field, you perform in the classroom, and if you don't, they take that all away. Yes, coach. You can't be satisfied. There's no guaranteed spot on my team. This is my brother. Again. Baymar. He's coming. This, this story got a lot of play on, on game day and those type of things. Again, based on a true story, Ray Ray was the safety for Clemson. As a freshman, he comes to campus, needs to try to take care of his younger brother because his mom gets in drug rehab, so he sneaks him into the dorm. And then he kind of gets adopted by the football team, and they end up taking care of him as he plays out his time at Clemson. Uh, Tommy Bowden was the head coach of the Tigers at that point in time. You guys remember that when that happened? I don't, but I did Anybody see remember the movie. That? No? Pretty good, though. Pretty good fan of the movie. Yeah, it's called Sick called safety it's a really good watch it's on netflix so i would encourage you to go out and catch that if you if you have some time to do that buckle up and put the phone down it's a reminder from the ndot highway safety office those are our flicks picks for the week thanks to ben to, to josh to austin and to all of you for listening we're back here with a full show again tomorrow night enjoy the rest of your night stay safe with that blizzard coming